0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry Moten. The anointing is God's power to get his will done through his people. The number one thing on God's list to be done is for the church to fulfill the ministry of reconciliation, which is leading the people that God has placed in our lives back to him. In today's message, we're going to look at how the anointing of God equips us to change the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the broadcast. Now, we know in Luke chapter 4, Jesus, the Son of God, manifested in a flesh and blood body, has gone to the River Jordan and been baptized. And when he was baptized, a voice came from heaven, and everybody around them heard it. The voice came from heaven, said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus Then had the Holy Spirit come upon him like a dove, and he began his public ministry. Ministry always has two faces. It has a public face and has a private face. Public ministry is what everybody else sees, and public ministry will always only be as strong as private ministry. Private ministry is what we do directly with God. It is when we minister to God in prayer. It's when we minister to God in our worship. It's when we're reading the Word and studying the Word. All those things together manifest to the world in public ministry. Any season in life where I have felt like I became unfruitful, I can directly draw a line between my lack of fruitfulness And my private ministry sliding. And you don't have to be a bad person to have your private ministry slide. You can just become a busy person and your private ministry slides. Amen? You can just get busy doing good stuff for God. And your private ministry slides. And when your private ministry slides, at some point, it will become public. Amen? I knew a man who fell, great man of God. He was, had an amazing church. And his ministry privately got consumed by the church. He was so busy doing church, his private ministry slid. And he told me, he said, I knew the day when I realized I was out of gas. He said, but I didn't have time to stop at the gas station. I was too busy to stop at the station. And so I kept on driving, and I ran out of gas in front of everybody. <laughs> Amen. So Jesus, having had the Spirit come upon him, we know the Spirit represents the power of God. Jesus, in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, Go into Jerusalem Terry, tarry, wait on the promise of my Father. And this is what he said. When the Spirit of God comes upon you, you shall receive power, and you shall be my witnesses. Judea, Samaria, and all the earth. What was the power? It's what runs the engine. See, the power of a car is only as good as the gas that goes in it. You can design a car, it's beautiful, it is awesome, it is so sleek on the outside. And I love the color. Oh man, it's beautiful. And you can charge that thing up and you can test it out and see that it's great. But the moment it runs out of gas, it's no more useful your transportation than a brick. (laughs) So now we shift it to electric cars. Great. Still the same principle. It doesn't make a difference. When it's out of juice, it's out of juice. It doesn't run. It won't work. The anointing of God is God's power or it's the fuel that empowers God's people to get stuff done. You have to have the anointing from God to get things done. And personal testimony is this. If you let yourself get too low, there's only so far you can go. You put your electric car on the charger for an hour and a half, and you go and you say, I'm driving all the way to Los Angeles. No, you're not. (laughs) You're going to get to Dublin and start using gas because you're going to run out fast. And you know what? The lower the battery, the faster it discharges. (laughs) Very simple principle of physics. The less there is in a big container, (laughs) it just runs out faster. So why is that important to every Christian? It's important to every Christian because we talk about anointing all the time, but anointing is only power to get things done, but that power that we get to get things done can only come from God. You can run so long on natural gifts and natural talents and natural abilities because you're gifted. You are totally gifted. You are so gifted beyond human capacity to understand. They're still trying to figure out how your genes are passing on abilities because you are totally gifted. However... To get stuff done for God, you have to not only be gifted, you have to be empowered. You can't just be gifted. You have to have the gift and the fuel. I'm going to stick on cars for a minute. There was a car, 440 horsepower. And the car I'm driving, I think, got 220 This car's got 440, right? It's a nice car. It's a powerful car. Eight cylinders. It's all ready to go. But it's got two ounces of gas. How far is it going to go? I'm going to keep going this over and over again because I want to, when we go into what I'm going to tell you, you need to understand No matter how gifted we are, no matter how talented we are, no matter what we do, if we don't have the fuel of the anointing of God, we can't get accomplished what God wants to get accomplished. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm ready to get fueled up. Amen. Amen. So in Luke, we see Jesus getting baptized by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes on him as a dove. He's now empowered with the Spirit. In Luke chapter 4, as Jesus, we see him introduced, he steps in to the wilderness, driven by the Spirit, and there he encounters the devil. He encounters the devil, and what happens? The devil begins to come at him. He confesses the word, and we're studying about the power of the tongue. And so what we're understanding, we're understanding that when the enemy comes, we give the word back to him. That's the model that Jesus gave us. And Jesus begins fighting the enemy. It is in that fight that seems like he's running out of gas in which he's actually being fueled. It seems like, in the natural sense, when we have a natural fight, we're tired after the fight. Except when you fight the enemy, and you come at him, and you've got the Word and the Spirit operating in you, when the fight is over, you're stronger than when you started fighting. So fighting in the Spirit is necessary to get you fueled up. But in spiritual terms, we run from spiritual fights. Because we think of spiritual fights the same way we think of natural fights, but it's not the same. As a matter of fact, in the book of Ephesians, Jesus said, you guess what? Excuse me, Paul told, told the Ephesians church, he said, listen, you're going to have to get all armored up. Get armored up. Be wise. Understand how this works. Get armored up. You'll be able to withstand the wiles of the enemy. Why? Because your fights are going to strengthen you. Amen? So Luke chapter 4, Jesus comes back in the power of the Spirit, and we're going to pick up in verse 14. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Wait a minute. Wasn't he just fighting the devil? Yes, and he came back in the power. Your spiritual fights strengthen you. They strengthen you to a deeper level. And I want you to catch the revelation of this because you always want to know spiritual fights always make you stronger tell your neighbor say my spiritual fights do not make me weaker they make me stronger come on then look at them and give one of these (laughs) they make you stronger amen i'm so strong i think i tore my coat in the back actually i'm not joking i think i did amen praise the lord I might be swelling up on y'all before your very eyes. <laughs> Amen. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. Guess what? People are talking about your spiritual fights. <laughs> Listen, I saw a man that I used to go to church with, and he heard different things about us starting the church. And so the first thing he said, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. <laughs> he said, is it tough out there? Yeah, it is. It's tough out here. Guess what? Guess what? And I'm getting stronger. Yeah. Right. Guess what? I'm getting stronger. Yes, I am getting stronger. Amen. Amen. And the more I face, the stronger I'm going to get. Amen. And the stronger I get, the more devils I'm going to whoop. Amen? And the more devils I whoop, the more people I'm going to set free. Amen? And the more people we set free, the more people I'm going to set other people free. Amen? Because we got an anointing from the Holy One. Because why? Because we come out into the wilderness, we're fighting the devil, and we're getting stronger every moment. Stronger. Y'all remember that song? Stronger, stronger. I'm getting stronger, the joy of the Lord. It it makes me stronger, greater, greater. My God is greater, His power, His power. It makes me uh, uh, um, (laughs) stronger. Yeah. Why do you get stronger? Because this is not the world system we are talking about. We are talking about the spiritual system that comes from God. And if you start to get your mind wrapped around the spiritual system, it's going to make you so strong. I sat in a calculus class, and I did not get it. I did not understand it. I'm sitting in a class, and my head, the teacher started, the first day of class, he started going, he started talking about stuff, writing stuff on the board. He turned around and said, am I right or what? I'm saying, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if you're right, wrong, or otherwise. I just see a lot of numbers, a lot of letters, and I don't get it. And I said, and I wanted to quit the class because I wanted to get out of there. But no, I stayed in the class. And right about week four, I said, oh, I got it. <laughs> I got it now, man. Once I got, my mind had to get shifted to think a different way. Because the understanding about calculus was not the same as it was in algebra or trigonometry that I learned. I had to learn there was a different way of looking at these problems and there was a different way of me thinking about them and what I was actually thinking about. And when I figured out what I was looking at, I got it now. Because now all the other principles I learned work. (laughs) Amen? Amen? That's how your spiritual life is. You're learning spiritual lessons every day, all the time. You're learning things on and on and on again, and sometimes you don't see how they're connected. And then one day you're going to be somewhere, and you're going to say, oh, I see that devil. I see that devil now. I see him, and I know what to do with him. Why? Because the lessons I've learned in the wilderness, ooh, man, in the private ministry, those lessons I learned in private, man, now they work in public. Man, now they work in front of everybody. Those lessons I learned when nobody realized I was struggling. Lessons I learned when nobody even realized I had a problem. Those things I was dealing with, I couldn't tell anybody because nobody understood what I was trying to say. Those things all of a sudden all came together. And man, now publicly people see God working. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm ready. ready. Amen. Amen. Verse 15, he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he's been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And when he handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he found it, he opened the book. And he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because. Not because the Spirit is upon me, I'm anointed. (laughs) No. The reason the Spirit is on me is because I'm anointed. See, see, when I first stepped and realized God was calling me to ministry, when I first took the first step, it was a private step. Nobody else knew I was taking it. And I sure wasn't telling nobody I was taking it. (laughs) I didn't want want people calling me minister or anything else. I just knew I had to obey God. I took a private step. And the private step started to equip me. And I learned that I was anointed before anybody else knew it. Because I was anointed. What makes you anointed? Hearing God. Hearing God say something needs to be dealt with. Hearing God say, these kids need to be taught the word. Hearing God say, you know what? My neighborhood needs prayer. Hearing, man, these people on my job, they're crazy <laughs> Hearing those things means you have an anointing. Now you need the power to come behind the anointing. The anointing is God saying, I've got something for you to show you how to make a change, how to change the environment or change the world. And when you hear the voice, then you realize that change needs to happen. You say, Lord, I don't know what to do. He said, now I'm going to put the spirit of the Lord on you. So what did Jesus say? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to do something. Jesus said, I look over the world, I see broken-hearted people. I look over the world, I see poor people. I look over the world, I see those indebted, in distress, and discontented. I look out and I see all those people all over. I notice them. I see them everywhere I go. And because I see them, God then put the Spirit on me, so now I'm empowered to do something. Amen. See, we have been trained that there's a handful of anointed people. And those people are anointed, and those people are then called to do everything else, and we just live our life and wait for things to happen. Guess what? That's second chair living. See, we believe, if we believe that there's anointed people over there, those people are out there somewhere, and they're called to change the world. If you believe that, then you're not recognizing the fact that God wants to use you. And we say it all the time, oh, I want God to use me. But guess what? You're going to have to come along and let God equip you in private so he can use you in public. Amen? Amen. See, God equips us in private. And in private, you can fall and stumble and do all kinds of stuff. And then when you come in public, you're not worried about falling. See, sometimes we want to step into public and minister to people when we haven't spent any private time. And so we're scared when we come in public because why? Because the private time hasn't given us confidence. Listen, if you are cooking something and you have your cookbook out and your cookbook gives you all directions, do not invite me over. I want you to cook when you've cooked it already. And then when I come over, you'll be confident about serving it. And then neither one of us will be in an awkward situation. (laughs) Amen? Amen. If you're cooking it for the first time, don't try to serve it to other people. Cook it for the first time in private. Taste it. If you taste it, you can tell me, now taste and see. (laughs) Not how does it taste. Taste and see. In other words, I already tasted this. I know it's good. You're going to love this. Pastor Derrick, when you come, oh man, you're going to love this, Pastor. Why? Because I love it. I've had it before. Too many times the Christian faith has led us to try to witness to people to things we have not seen. And so we're discovering with them. Which is why when we get down the road and they say, what's going on? You say, man, I don't know. I ain't tried this before. (laughs) No, you don't serve people what you haven't tested. Matter of fact, this principle is so strong. David was a young caterer bringing food to his brothers who were in the army. And so when he brought food to his brothers, his brothers were all standing on a mountainside and in the valley was Goliath, the giant, screaming obscenities at them, threatening them and telling them, you know what, I see all y'all on the hillside. Any one of y'all come down here? I got something for you. The king himself, who was head and shoulders taller than everybody else, King Saul, was still afraid. And he said he wasn't going down. So David, the caterer, because he's bringing food, he says... Well, what, what's in it for somebody that goes down there? They said, you know what? You won't have to pay taxes, and you get the king's daughter. He's like, what? No taxes and a wife? <laughs> so the young caterer goes down the valley, and before he goes, the king says, look, before you go, let me give you my armor. And he put it on. He said, I can't use this stuff. I haven't tested it. Once again, what's the principle? Don't go to battle in armor you haven't tested. It's better for you to go down with a rock and a sling than to go down in armor you haven't tested. He went with what he knew. He went down he fought with what he had. See, what is that? That's a representation of anointing of God to get something done, not with conventional understanding, but with spiritual wisdom. Spiritual wisdom means. Now, listen. I want you to think about this. If the whole army's standing up there, they all got armor, and they won't go. Why would I take their armor? <laughs> you scared to use your armor? Don't put it on me. Anointing is God's power to get something done, and Jesus says here, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me." Be Because he has anointed me. You have already been anointed to do something. And those things, I guarantee you, are within your arm's distance. I met a person. I used to be responsible for minister's training. At my former church. And this person came in and they said to me, they said, Elder Derry, I'm called to be an apostle to the nations. Do you believe that? I said, well, I'll just tell you this. If you're called to be an apostle to the nations, it'll begin where you are. He says, what they were actually asking me was, please validate my vision so I can start telling people what to do. Because if I'm an apostle, I get to jump to the head of the line in their mind. But that's not how apostles are proven. Apostles are proven in shipwrecks. (laughs) Apostles are proven when they get bit by snakes, poisonous snakes, and they don't die. (laughs) Apostles are proven when they go to places nobody wants to hear the gospel and they go and start churches there anyway. That's how apostles are proven. So if you believe you're an apostle, guess what? Your gift will make room for you. We won't, to, we won't have to do anything else with you. So you can't become something without dealing with the battles. The, Paul was bit by a snake and did not die. Did it make him weaker or did it make him stronger? It made him stronger. Paul was shipwrecked, left for dead. Did it make him weaker or did it make it stronger? Y'all don't sound confident. Did it make him weaker or did it make him stronger? Stronger. So why do we think we don't have to go through this stuff? See, Jesus said, this is what Jesus said. Jesus told his disciples. They're arguing. Matter of fact, this, let's go there. Let's go there. Let's go to, um, let's go to Matthew 20. Matthew 20 and 24. Thank you. Matthew 20 and 24. Let's go there. So you never, I know where Matthew is. And I'm going to find verse 24 easy. Amen. Now, what happens here is uh, the mother of James and John, two of Jesus' disciples, she, she rolls up on Jesus and says, um, look, Jesus, um, I got two sons. They left the family business to come with you, okay? So this is what I would like to do. this Do this for me, Jesus, please. Please, when you come into your kingdom, let one sit on the right and one sit on the left. Because they left a lot to come with you. And Jesus said, uh, no, <laughs> that is not for me to give to them. What's for them is for them. And then what happens is the other disciples heard that they sent their mother to talk to Jesus. And so when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. Like, man, really? Y'all sent your mama there? <laughs> you sent your mama to talk to Jesus, man? Really? <laughs> But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the Gentiles lord over those who they oversee. Apply that word to our lives, <laughs> Lord. Give us heart and faith and stamina to stand on the word. You know that the, ruler of the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever Amen. desires to Amen. become great Open among you, let him become four. your servant. And he told them, the he told them the you guys believe still so say, that greatness comes from lording over others. Openly you, that's what you still believe. The anointing. Later on, the anointing, Jesus had to, to give a wash their feet because the they still didn't power power get it. To get his work done through you still believe that... If you lord over others, it gives you power. The is but he said, no, actually, if you to want to be great, done you have to become a servant. Now, I know you may if you want to be great, you have to learn how to serve. You in other words, you, you have you to recognize awesome that there's a God different system anointed. in place. Anointing is anointed not the ability to be in charge of stuff. Anointing a, is a, the ability to singing, serve said, That was an anointed worship. I know that's what you believe. What is God spoken? And it is. What does God want? That's not what does God want mean? to bring to pass? And if we can understand those things, I then we can start know to move in the anointing, anointing of God. Amen. Power Amen. Listen. To get anointing. How are we going to summarize this? Anointing cannot be obtained through words or it can, so be, obtained so can an an be obtained through common actions. Anointing can only be obtained by Amen? our drawing near a to God. A worship team has to get something done. What's yes, have to get you done guys are hearing something have to else in the speakers. You're not. It ain't, it ain't so it the devil an talking. To get that done, but anointing. <laughs> it's not is the devil, not but something is coming through the speakers. Amen. Things, and for too long. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, I saw, I folks was getting nervous here. over here. Amen. <laughs> those <laughs> those I said, "Ooh, that's Come the devil talking." Come on, no. The anointing is released by us beginning to. Take on the spirit of service. The spirit of service is what starts to release the anointing. Let me tell you something that you may not have fully embraced or grasped. African Ameri- the African American culture in the United States is under significant struggle. Okay? Okay? The question is not what, the question is why. And we would immediately, the first thing we would say, it was slavery is the problem. But slavery wasn't actually the problem. Slavery was devastating, but it wasn't the problem. Because slavery was being overcome through a transition process. This is the problem. The problem was, is in the transition out of slavery. And it's not just this group. It's any group that goes through this transition. When you transition out of slavery and you want change, what's the first thing you no longer want to do? Serve. You don't want to serve. And when you no longer want to serve, how are you going to become great? The only pathway to greatness now has to be selfishness. And so you have to then move into selfishness in order to become great because you won't try to become great or you will resist trying to become great through service. Unless service holds a level of prestige. You understand what I'm saying? If service holds a letter of a level of prestige, then it's okay. But if service mis- still makes me look like I'm serving, I won't. Because I'm not a slave. <laughs> and you know why I identify with this? Because I have a dollar bill hanging in my closet that says I'm not a slave on it. <laughs> I want you to understand. One of the reasons why American culture has such a big label of African American influence on it was because of our service. Our servitude made a mark on everybody. I share with you the guy, the picture that I got, uh, um, uh, one of my, uh, in my genealogy research, one of my cousins sent me a picture of one of my, ancestors who had been a slave and there was a picture of her and she's dressed in the white slave garb and she's holding a baby she's holding the family's baby but guess what you know what that means that means my ancestor marked that child that means my ancestor was the primary influencer in that child's life for a window of time. Why? Because of her service. That seemed like slavery, but it was actually service. And that understanding of service, and again, I'm not, I'm not preaching about slavery, but I am preaching about mentality. Because we have to understand that if we have in our minds still any of us who have that heritage, if we still have in our minds that service means slavery, then we will not move into the one thing that Jesus says makes you great. The one thing Jesus says will make you great is not lording over everybody else. It's learning how to serve. If you learn how to serve, then what? Greatness can be happening. It can occur. How can underprivileged people have their own sound? How could they have their own mark? How did that occur? It occurred because influence from service. Slaves are singing. What's that song? We'll take that song. We'll bring it to church. That's how. That's how gospel got into the church the gospel that we're used to hearing. How did that sound? Get into the church. It came from people of influence who were serving. Anointing, again, what happens in private becomes seen openly. When you understand That there is an anointing that you can only get through service. At some point, there will become a window of time where you'll have to think about it. Where you'll have to meditate and you might have to break through some things in order to let your service go where it needs to go. Because I'll tell you right now, my father was a black nationalist and serving, we don't serve nobody except M-O-T-E-N. You serve yourself. That's what I grew up. My, that's what my father taught. You, you serve yourself. You can, work for, you, don't, you can grow up and be an entrepreneur. You have your own business. You ain't working for the man. And I was not going to work for the man. Until I realized the man had a good package. <laughs> 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 and I got rid of the business and went to work. Amen. <laughs> I had to lighten it up because y'all was getting too intense on me. So I had to lighten it up a little bit. <laughs> Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Now, we talked about this in Bible study a couple weeks ago, but I want to I lay this on you. Luke chapter 10, because this is tying together this, this understanding of anointing and service. Because anointing and service have to go together. They have to flow together. They have to be together. And one of the challenges that we have facing us as far as ministering to others is helping people break the mindset of what service is. Now, I'm going to tell you something interesting. The church has become such a model, even though people say they don't like church, the church has become so much of a model. I was watching a, a software how-to, and I was uh, you know, trying to learn this software, and, they, and this guy comes up for this particular company, and his, t- his name was so-and-so, and his title was Evangelist. I'm like, he's the product evangelist. He's supposed to do is tell the good news about this product to as many people as he can. That's his job. He's supposed to make videotapes, he's supposed to go out and talk to people, he's supposed to do everything he possibly can to make sure people use this software. And he's going to tell every great benefit of it, he's going to tell you why it's better than everything else. He's going to do that without fail, he's going to evangelize. (laughs) And I was so caught off guard. I'm mean, wait a minute. They, they didn't even try to change the name. They just took it right out the Bible. You be an evangelist. Yeah, that's what we want. We want that guy. <laughs> but you can't pray at school. <laughs> Baloney. Anyway. Luke chapter 10. And when he called his disciples, his 12 disciples, to him he gave them what oh I'm looking at Matthew 10 I'm sorry all right I'm like man they ain't giving me no action nobody's <laughs> like man nobody's saying nothing man Woo. all right Luke chapter 10 <laughs> I was like man they just shut down on me man <laughs> man, I'm still struggling with that slave thing, man. man. <laughs> All right, Luke chapter 10. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and everywhere he himself was about to go. Very first thing. If Jesus wants to go somewhere, he's going to send you. (laughs) Anywhere the Lord wants to go, he's sending you. Tell your neighbor, say, you might be a sent one. (laughs) Amen. Verse 2 Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Only look closely. After he called them to himself and commissioned them to go, remember, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. In other words, he commissioned them first. He called them to himself, commissioned them, then came the instructions. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, you might be commissioned already. <laughs> so I turn to the other neighbor, say, matter of fact, you are commissioned. <laughs> you are. <laughs> yeah. The harvest truly is great. There's already a big harvest out there. I heard a man teach say this. He said, he said, most cities have 80% of the population that do not go to church. He said, yet most churches fight over the 20% that already go. <laughs> That's deep, huh? The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. In other words, we need more laborers. So then he tells them, now, but, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he send out laborers into his harvest. But he's talking to the laborers. He said, laborers, I want you to look for more laborers. Laborers, I want you to be praying for laborers. But this is the interesting dynamic. If you are praying for the harvest, excuse me, if the person who's asking you to pray for the harvest has already commissioned you to go to the harvest, what's he telling you to pray for? So I'm asking you, I I come to your house, I said, listen, I need you to go into the harvest. Now there's few laborers. So I want you to pray for laborers. Who am I asking you to pray for? Who's the first one on the list? You. <laughs> no, don't overlook the fact that you're going into this harvest. So you know what that means? That means if you're going to the harvest, that means, guess what? There's plenty out there for you. <laughs> I was in sales at one point in my life and sat down with the sales manager. He said, you yeah, we're having a big sale coming up this week. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, he said I expect you. I expect you to have a big day. I said, okay. He said, no, 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 no. I expect you to have a big day. <laughs> he, he sat me down one-on-one, and he's telling me, we got a big sale coming up. It's going to be plenty of customers coming through here. I expect you to have a big day. <laughs> okay, I'll try. No, 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 no you, you don't, don't try <laughs> I expect you to have a good big day. <laughs> I, had to get, I had to catch up to the, the thing here because I still think I got an out. No you, no, you don't have an out. No, you're going to have a big day. <laughs> yeah, that's your option. The option is big day. <laughs> don't I get another? No, it's just one option, big day. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. In other words, there's more people out there than we got laborers going out there. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest. He sends forth laborers into his harvest. Notice it doesn't say more laborers. Pray the Lord of the harvest, send laborers into the harvest. Not more, laborers. (laughs) It means I expect you to have a big day. (laughs) Amen? All right, I hope y'all getting what Jesus is telling you because I'm not telling you, Jesus is telling you, amen? Verse 3, go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. In other words, it's going to be tough out there. Amen. I'm sending you out, but it's tough. But you need to know you're anointed, amen? Yeah. See, fight the lion and bear in private, then when you're public, you're not afraid of him. Come on. Carry neither money bag, sack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. In other words, when you get out there, you've got to go who you're called to. Don't worry about people you're not called to. Verse 5. But whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. First thing is pray. The second thing is when you get to who you know you're supposed to talk to, Peace. Speak peace. Tammy said something very important. She was, when we were uh, talking about uh, um, the wedding that was here yesterday, somebody asked her a challenging question. And basically, what they were saying is, I have an issue, and I'm presenting my issue to you, and I want to know how you're going to respond to my issue. So instead of saying to them, Your issue's unacceptable. What she said was, we will love on you, we're going to pray God's blessing on you, and we're going to sit down with you and talk whatever we need to talk about. So instead of saying, wrong, he spoke peace. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. When we're out here and we're out in the harvest and we're meeting people or interacting with people and we realize God has put an anointing on us to help bring people out of darkness, bring people out of blindness, when we start realizing that, we go out there, the first thing we can do is unlearn the learning that we've had and going out and calling everybody sinners and telling them hell is awaiting you. He says, no, you go out and you speak peace. And later on, he said, you're going to have to cast the devil out, and you're going to heal him and everything else. But when you first encounter them, you speak peace. Speak peace. Tell so your neighbor said, I think you have peace in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Yes, you do. Amen. Verse 6. If a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. In other words, when you speak peace, if they don't speak peace back, you'll know it. (laughs) If you speak peace and they don't speak peace back, you already know what you're dealing with. But sometimes what happens to Christians is, is we think the one who won't speak peace to us is the one we're supposed to persuade to speak peace. And I'm going to tell you what, there was a lot of Christians that tried to speak peace to me, and I did not speak peace back, and if they kept coming, I kept coming. <laughs> and I remained a sinner, and some of them stopped being Christians. And I'm, I'm, unfortunately, I'm serious, and I have had to repent. Don't argue with an unbeliever. Do not try to fight an unbeliever. You have rules and morals and things you have to stick to. The unbeliever will lie to your face and change his story and then call you a name and then do all kind of stuff. He doesn't have no rules to work with. <laughs> you can't win one on fire. <laughs> you got to let the Holy Spirit tell you who to talk to. Verse 7. And remain in the same place, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the labor is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. In other words, once you start ministering to somebody, stick with it. You start getting somebody who's receptive to the word, you keep feeding the word. You keep feeding the word. You keep feeding. I know lots of unbelievers who they, they, want, they want to talk. They want to talk. They're waiting to talk to somebody. But if you talk to them and then you leave them, who are they going to talk to next? Sometimes you got to keep on talking. You got to keep on talking. It took me years from the time I was conscious that people were trying to witness to me, to me actually saying yes to God. Why? Because that's how it works. A farmer does not go out with a bag of seeds on Tuesday and eat apples on Wednesday. Because if you, I guarantee you this, if you're a farmer and you went out and dropped your bag of seeds on Monday and you was eating apples on Tuesday, you eating somebody else's apples. <laughs> Those are not your apples. <laughs> I just came out here, was the tree was there? No, okay, yeah, that was not your tree. Check the address because you went to somebody else's house. <laughs> Seed time and harvest. It requires time for growth. Amen? Amen. Verse 8. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick who are there. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Okay. What does all this have to do with anointing? You need to let yourself become what God has called you to be. So that when you go into these environments and you start to minister to people, that you're filled, that you're ready. And you don't say to yourself, well, one of these days when I get ready, I'm going to go. No, you got to go. You got to go. Because guess what? He's expecting a big day. (laughs) God's expecting big days from us. God's expecting us to, to start showing up places and having the anointing on us. Why? Because he already knows that we know that the Spirit is on us. He gave us the Spirit. If we start walking into places knowing that we have an anointing, if we start walking into places knowing that I'm going to speak my peace and when my peace comes back, praise the Lord. We go places and we just walk into places and whether we're on vacation or somewhere else, we speak peace. If it doesn't come back, okay. If it comes back, we're going further. This, 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 at the picnic this week, two weeks ago, we had a lady that came. And when I got to the table, I'm going to talk to her. The lady brought her family, and they, they were, you know, there. And the lady was a little wound up. And she immediately said, I'm, I'm, she does not, These are not the words she said, but this is my interpretation of what she said. Pray for these sinners before I hurt one of them. <laughs> It was, her family was with her, and basically, Pastor, pray, glad to be here. You need to pray for me and these sinners so I don't hurt somebody. And she didn't say those words. That's my interpretation of the words. Right? She said a little more savvy than that, but I, want, I ain't got time to explain it. So I want y'all to make sure you got it. So I, but I wouldn't pray for her. You know why? Because it wasn't peace. See, I'm going to go pray for them sinner family members, and we're already at odds I've introduced myself as a as a battle person against them so I wouldn't pray and I just talked and I spent time then making peace with those individuals so I made peace with them and I got on common ground with them and then I could sit down with them and then I could eat with them then I could talk to them and then I got up and went away And somebody else walked in and somebody else was now walking into the peaceful situation, could discern the need and minister to the need. Amen. Amen. Guess what? Am I insulted because I didn't get to be the one to bring to to bring it to finality? No, because I'm happy that the kingdom is being expanded. See, this is how evangelism ultimately works. You're going to sow seeds and plant and water, and somebody else is going to sow seeds and plant and water, and the anointing that you drop on people and the anointing somebody else drops on people, that anointing together is going to bring people to be free. And freedom comes when I'm in the position to recognize how I get freedom, and I get freedom from the gospel. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's talk real quick. We're going to close in just a minute. I want to get you understanding the steps that are here in Luke chapter 10. Step number one is to pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest. They sent forth laborers in the harvest. Be aware that there's a harvest. Be aware that there are people out there and begin making your prayers directed to praying over those individuals, praying for those who are called. There are some people who didn't realize when they're praying and asking God to send laborers in the harvest that there was an unbeliever who's going to be part of that team <laughs> i'm going to give you a step 2 i want you to listen to something really quick from acts chapter 9 in acts chapter 9 paul has been knocked off a horse paul was persecuting the church Paul was totally anti-Christianity. And there's a man who's minding his own business. And verse 10 says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said uh, in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise, go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Now, what's happening here? Ananias is a Christian. He's already a disciple, and he's minding his own business. And he's probably following instructions of Paul, praying for the harvest. Lord, send the harvest. Lord, praise God. Send the laborers. Lord, I thank you. And then God says, I heard your prayers. Guess what? I want you to go pray for Paul. That dude? (laughs) Pray for that guy? Are you serious? Yeah, I'm sending you. Why? You're already anointed to go. Listen, there's some people out there you're already anointed to reach. You're already anointed to reach, but you might be scared to reach them. (laughs) How many of you know there's people in your life that you're scared to talk to? Okay, I got All right, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Okay, let's put it this way. How many of of y'all know people in your life you should talk to, but you haven't yet. Ah, okay. Y'all didn't like that scared word. That's what it was. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Look, we don't talk to people because we're not sure what to say. And sometimes we don't talk to people because we don't know how they're going to respond. But either way it is, you need to know God's placed people in our lives and poured an anointing on us to come in and help break the chains in their life. Breaking chains doesn't always look like we want it to look like. So no doubt Ananias is sitting here thinking, oh, wow, I was a Jew and now I'm saved. Praise the Lord. Lord, I thank you. Lord, send me into the harvest. Lord, send me into the harvest. And all of a sudden he has a vision. Ooh, I've seen a vision from God. Woo! Go talk to Paul. Paul of Tarsus? (laughs) Yeah, go talk to Paul. He saw a vision about a man named Ananias coming to you. So do I need to pass you over and find somebody else named Ananias to send to him, or will you go? (laughs) All right, I'm alone on that one. So anyway, step one, pray for the harvest. Number two is engage them with the blessing. Speak peace to their house. Don't go tell them what a dirty sinner they are. I mean, even if you have a broom sweeping the dirt from around their feet, don't tell them what a dirty sinner they are. (laughs) Even if you're cleaning up a mess for them, don't tell them them they're a sinner. Speak peace to them. Oh. Lord, (laughs) engage them with the blessing third thing connect with them in fellowship I heard a man say this he said no nobody ever receives the gospel without a meaningful conversation happening and any meaningful conversation happens between two people who both agree to have a conversation. So in other words, if I get a bullhorn and stand on a corner and preach the gospel, how many people are going to say yes? It's not a meaningful conversation. Now, somebody could be reached if a meaningful conversation is had and I... Cosign on that conversation. Something I say registers is something they already heard. They've already talked to somebody about. Then they may come and say, oh man, you know what? I can't believe you just said that. I was just talking to my mother and she told me I needed to do this. So mama's meeting of conversation just had some gravy put on top of it by my words. But I wasn't the one serving the meat. Amen? It's meaningful conversations that happen. Something might come and register and say that conversation was meaningful, and yeah, I can't get away from this. God might use that to poke somebody on the side, but it's not necessarily the meaningful conversation. So the third thing happens to be there has to be a connection point of fellowship where you've not only engaged in a spoke piece, but now you're taking advantage of the fact that God has put you in their life, that God has allowed you space with them. Number four, release the Holy Spirit. <laughs> release the Holy Spirit. How do I release the Holy Spirit? That's when somebody says, look, pray for me. And you say, yes, I will. Yes. Man, I, I, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to do this. Okay, we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to bring an answer right now. Give me your hands. Let's pray begin stepping in, or the Holy Spirit might tell you exactly what to do for them. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon you because you've already been anointed. See, anointing means God gives you power to get stuff done. And if somebody reveals to you that something's wrong, then that means God's going to show you how to get something done. And it's up to them to receive it when you tell them. But you are already ready with the spirit of wisdom and revelation to pour out to them. Amen? Amen. Now, last thing is, let's go back to verse 9. Heal the sick who are there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near you. The last thing is, give them the kingdom. See, sometimes people are waiting for something to happen and they don't realize it's happening. (laughs) I was talking to somebody one day and they said, you know what? This man didn't know me. He met me for the first time, but we had a good conversation because he knew my father. And so me and him are talking as he's talking. He says, he said, you know, Pray for me when you think about me. If you think about me, pray for me. I'm battling this stuff right here, you know. You see what I'm battling. So if you think about me, pray for me. I said, I'll pray for you right now. And so I prayed for him. And I was getting ready to leave after I prayed. And the Lord said, no, you go back and you finish it. So I was walking away. And I said, well, before I leave, I said, let me say this. I know you want God to do something for you later, but I think God wants to do something for you now. I said, I believe God wants to have your heart and God wants to help you move through this. I said, so you can wait and let something happen or you can accept God for yourself so that you don't have to wonder if I'm praying for you, that you can talk to God yourself. I said, do you want to do that right now? You want to receive Jesus? And he said, no, I ain't ready for that. I said, okay. Now you say, oh, that was a failure. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Because if you believe that the transactions are what count, you don't understand the kingdom still. It's the seeds, it's the seeds i let that man know whenever you're ready, God can take you right now. God's not waiting for you to sober up. God ain't waiting for you to to flush all your stuff down the toilet. God ain't waiting for you to change how you do this or that. God doesn't need any of that from you. He needs you to say yes, and then he can empower you to stop. He can empower you to come out. But you got to say yes first, then you get the power. See, some people are waiting. It's like the joke to me and Tammy. We, we saw this thing, and it's an unfortunate, it's a, a picture of a man laying in a casket. And the caption on the bottom says, he finally got straightened out to come to church. <laughs> 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 That's a hard one there. <laughs> Amen. All right, let me finalize. Simple steps. Pray. Engage them with the gospel. Peace. Engage them with peace. Connect with them in fellowship. Take that opportunity to connect with people. Then, now you are free to take the next step of bringing the kingdom, bringing healing. bring in whatever is required and then give him the kingdom God is here. You don't have to wait. God is here. God's ready to receive you right now. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're just going to iron sharpen iron, equip each other, strengthen each other for the calling God has for us. And we're going to walk fully in the calling. The Holy Spirit told us by prophetic word that he was sending multiplication. And I understand the multiplication is not the filling of seats. It's not the filling of seats. <laughs> multiplication. Multiplication means that God's going to win people to God. His kingdom is going to be established. And we told you before, if we're in the process of ministering to others and being a blessing, then we don't have to worry about anything else because then God will do his business. We take care of God's business. God takes care of our business. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you that this is a day that you have made. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing on your people today. I thank you for giving your people the words of wisdom, words of knowledge, words of understanding, and the gifts of the Spirit to flow through your people. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for giving us a commission. Strengthening us, Lord, to privately fill ourselves. Strengthen ourselves with with our challenges that we go through. Drawing near to you in what seems to be privacy. We thank you that as you strengthen us and send us forth in the power of the spirit that we come out with an anointing, Lord. An anointing that is strengthened by our struggles, strengthened by our weaknesses. Mm. We thank you that with that strengthening Lord that you then give us the heart to be intercessors. Pray, the Lord of the harvest, to send forth laborers for all that harvest that's waiting. Lord, as we pray, Lord, give us your heart that as you send us forward, Lord, that those who we encounter, that we, we are ready to engage them. We're ready to speak peace to circumstances that look bad. Hallelujah. We thank you that everyone in here, as Lord, is encouraged and built up and strengthened and ready to speak peace to every circumstance, to not allow our emotions or our our offense to stop us from speaking peace. And Lord, we thank you that if our peace comes back to us, we thank you that we continue to say peace to you and we go to the next place, to the next person. And Lord, as we go to that next one, give us that same grace to continue to minister hope and healing. For those that receive us, Lord, we thank you right now that you allow us to fellowship with them and build relationship with them. And as we build relationship, thank you for giving us the ability to discern the moment and let the gifts of the Holy Spirit move in their midst, bringing healing to all who are with them. (laughs) Oh, Lord. And Lord, thank you most of all for giving us the words of the kingdom to reach salvation, to minister salvation to those who are in need. Lord, those who have not yet recognized how good you are, that you give us those words to speak to them seasoned with salt like apples of silver on tablets of gold. They will see the value of what we present to them. (laughs) Hallelujah. We praise you and give you glory for these things right now. In Jesus' precious name, hallelujah, amen, 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 hallelujah. Thank you for listening to today's message, which was titled, Walking in the Anointing, from our series titled, The Anointing. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On our website, you're going to find more information about us, our church and our events calendar and other messages that may be of interest to you. Once again, we invite you to look at the site, which is AbundantLifeWorship.net. Now, you can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com AbundantLifeWorship.net. Thanks again for listening. And we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly.